Hey guys, uh, welcome back to another episode of For Checking TV. I'm your host, Doug Glackey. Alongside me are my co-hosts, Scotty Porterfield and uh, Trevin T.K. Catellis. And tonight we are joined by a very special guest, um, sports YouTuber and um, pretty much esteemed shit poster, if you will, urinating tree. <laughs> tree, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right, guys. How you guys doing today? We're doing pretty good, you know. Nice. Everything's going pretty good in Pittsburgh right now, with the exception of Sidney Crosby getting wrist surgery and the Steelers refusing to commit guaranteed money to TJ Watt for some reason. Well, I'm, we're going to ignore all that. It was beautiful outside today after it stopped raining for roughly yeah. the 200th time this year. But that's all that matters. It was gorgeous. Yeah, I cooked sure. some pork chops on the grill. Everything's good. I'm not going to worry about Sidney Crosby. I'm not going to break down into a ball and cry. And I'm not going to talk about T.J. Watt because I'll break down into a ball and cry. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not good. Just just yeah. pay the man. It's not hard. It's not Le'Veon. It's, no, it's literally like the player who has given – the most of his shit out of any player they've had in recent memory. Like, just do it. But anyway. That again with like a Le'Veon situation. Yeah, no, they won't. Um, if they franchise tag him, it might. Very true. That's very true. But moving onward, um, we're going to basically just lead off with this uh, Sidney Crosby situation. Um, had a little bit of a news dump on us this evening that uh, Sidney Crosby got wrist surgery or a wrist procedure done rather um, done today. And he's going to be out for the entirety of training camp and the recovery timetable six weeks, which would take us into two to three weeks into the season. Um, so this is going to be probably the second time in the, the second time in the Crosby Malkin era that the Penguins will be playing without both mm-hmm. Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin at the same exact time. Um wow. The fortunate thing is our best center right now is a touch better than Mark Latesti was in 2011. So, That's yeah, true. but it's, it's, it's bad. I mean, especially since McCann was used as fodder to try and, you know, get a prospect or two back. And now your forward depth is absolutely thrashed. Like um, losing Crosby, that's a huge piece. And usually it'd be like, oh, hey, Crosby may be out, but Malkin usually goes on fire and just dominates like he's one of the best players in the world. But he's going to be out for months. So at this point, who's your real game changer? Gensel? Like Gensel hasn't been the same in a couple of years. Uh, Rust, he's going to be a free agent, so he might do well, but he's the kind of player that, He's going to fall off hard because his main asset is speed. Like, I, there's nobody really coming up from, like, the minor league system. Uh, this is the last chance year for the Penguins because if you think about it, Malkin's going to be a free agent. Latang's going to be a free agent. Brian Rust is going to be a free agent. Jeff Carter's going to be a free agent. So if they don't do well, you might be seeing a lot of long-time faces go and officially start a rebuild, per se. They'll go kicking and screaming, but it will be a rebound. I don't think necessarily you'll have – even if, say, you wanted to keep some of those long-term guys, as you were saying, in their tree, you're not going to have the money to re-sign them, number one. No. So, and my my question to you guys in throwing it out would be, you know, say you're Pittsburgh, you wanted to re-sign, say, as many of these players as you can, which ones would you rather look to try to trade with or trade away rather than just let them go willingly? Like, give me your opinions on that. 
I feel like with the Penguins, their priorities are going to be signing Malkin and Latang because Lemieux's biggest regret was trading Yager and not letting him stay. So I feel like he's going to try and keep that core around as long as possible, unless it's like just physically impossible. But um, I would say the guy you trade would probably be Rust because he can get good value, especially if you're not doing well at the deadline. You can get a few decent prospects for him, especially as like him can roll a very versatile player. You can play him on the first line. He'll be good. You can play him on the second or third line. He'll be really good. Great on a penalty kill. He can drive offense, good in the neutral zone, reliable defensively. Those guys are at a premium, especially come deadline time. Question. Yeah, that's a good point. Question. Go ahead, Scotty. The question I want to pose now, obviously, because, you know, like you touched on a tree, we're basically going back to 2011 at this point. Yeah. You know, Osby, no Malkin. I mean, the top, we could be looking at a potential top two centers being 36-year-old Jeff Carter and Teddy Bluger, mm-hmm. we're being honest. So I think the question now is not, you know, is this team still capable of winning a cup? Can this team actually make the playoffs? It depends how the goaltending does. Like Jari, I mean, they did replace their goaltending coach, but I thought Jari was going to be run out of town. I'm more surprised they've taken like a conservative approach towards that regard. But Jari had his moments last year, but there were a lot of times where he tried to be Martin Brodeur and it just burned him big time. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, when it comes to, I think it was a lot of, like I said before, a lot of it has to do with Hextall. You know, being yeah. a, he's in that he has the same mindset. I guess I guess in a sense that uh, that Jari does. But I mean, even before Crosby went down with this injury, this was already going to be an uphill climb for the Penguins uh, with no Malkin. With no Malkin, exactly. Because here's the thing, you know, Jeff. If Jeff Carter, if he was going to fill on fill on that second line center, he was going to have to play the way he did whenever he came to Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I don't know if he had that performance in him. I he's he's more of a Matt Cullen type right now. More third line. He can put, fill in on the top six in a pinch, but he doesn't have the kind of skill he had even five years ago. And on top of all that, it's not like the Penguins improved during this offseason either. Oh, no, they regressed. I mean, you've lost your energy guy in Tanev. You lost Jerry McCann, who I thought was a really solid like middle six guy. You've lost a couple other players as well. You have some bad contracts on the books, especially Pat- Patterson's contract does not look good right now. Uh, you still have Matheson's contract, which, I mean, that that's a big boondoggle in itself. Cody Cece, I mean, I would not have paid him as much as Edmonton paid him, but he was reliable last year as like a third-pairing guy, sheltered minutes. But um, the only person you brought in is Brock McGinn, who's more like a, a Tanev light. So you mainly bottom six. They didn't have the cap. So at this point, that's why I'm calling this last chance year, and this might be the first time they don't make the playoffs in 15 years. Yeah, it's like, very reasonable. And I thought this was going to happen maybe a couple years ago, but now it might be time to start paying the piper. And it happens to every team in a cap era. It really does. Yeah. And like you said, you know, the guys that they brought in just, I don't see them really living up to expectations. I mean, like we talked about in uh, past episodes, uh, Heinen, I just don't see him having the type of impact. If, yeah. if they do try and plug him in on that uh, Aston Reese Bluger line. I, yeah. I mean, I like Dan Heinen, but he's not really like a bottom six type. He's more top six or bust, I feel like. Yeah. Or more like a, a, your upside's probably McCann. 
yeah. So hopefully he's back to his rookie form, but I don't know. That's one big if. Yeah, that's the big thing. Yeah, exactly. There's a whole lot of ifs. Um, You know, obviously, like we said, biggest if is goaltending. But I really really like the goalie coach hire. I think that uh, he might be able to get Jari right. Um, Mm -hmm. I I always found Mike Buckley to be suspect um, in terms of how the goalies went downhill. I mean – Murray, one, too. Murray too. one can make the argument that he single hand, he's a big part of the reason that Matt Murray hasn't been the same. Yeah. yeah uh, my biggest uh, complaint of like the cup era, it was not Jr. running the team into the ground, even though that was a huge reason. The big thing was firing Mike Bales after a cup win yeah. and then replacing him with Buckley because Bales was the guy who really helped Flurry rebound a decent bit. He helped Murray become elite. He helped a couple other goalies, if I remember correctly. Zakoff played like a really well game one against the Rangers. That doesn't happen, I don't think, with Buckley. So, yeah. And I mean, even you think about like before that, Mr. Game One appearance with Jeff Zakoff. A couple of years prior, he's playing playing like hell down the stretch. Like he looked incredible at times, mm-hmm. and you know a lot of that was probably due to the tutelage of Mike Bales. And yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, like literally, I understood it at the time because Mike Buckley was Matt Murray's guy, and Matt Murray was going to be the goalie of the future. But obviously, it blew up in their face, and now we're talking about a year where they may not even make the playoffs. But, you know, convenience sake, not a bad year to miss playoffs, uh, especially with draft. And we haven't had many picks unless they think they can still win and they trade a first round pick for, I don't know, Tarasenko or something like that, which would be foolish. But I can see a first round pick for Tomas Hurdle. Tomas Hurdle. Well, Tomas Hurdle is really good, though. Yeah, he's I like a great player. Hurdle. I love him. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to help the Penguins get to the playoffs. That's the only thing. That's true. It might kick the can deeper down the road of the yeah. impending doom that we're about to go go through within the next four to five years. But um, with that, other than that, it's really not much. But uh, moving on, we're going to basically – we're going to talk about the basically the main reason we have Tree here, and that was the – Carolina Hurricanes pulling off one of the biggest trolls of all time by offer sheeting Jasperi Kakaniemi. Uh, one year, $6.15 million offer sheet. Um, Montreal did not match it. And he's now going to Carolina where apparently he's going to be used as a left winger and not a center. So That is strange to me. I figured mm-hmm. like Kakaniemi would be best as a center. You yeah. saw flashes of that brilliance in Montreal's playoff run. You can argue that Montreal wouldn't have gone far if they kept Cole Caulfield and Kukaniemi on the bench. So I feel like moving him to a wing is going to limit his strengths. It, it, it is a punitive move. We all know this. This is revenge for trying to offer Shidaho. And nobody's paying $6.15 million for Kukaniemi right now. He could be worth $6.15 million, but right now, no. And if I'm Montreal, you have to sit there and think, would you accept the first and a third round pick? The first rounder is unprotected for Kukaniemi right now. And for me, that answer would be yes. Yeah. You think like the – sorry, Doug, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was, I was going to say, uh, Tree, like you mentioned, that you know, playing him on a wing instead of, instead of the center um, – 
obviously when you're looking at Montreal, the way they played him up there, like you said, yeah. they probably wouldn't have made the probably wouldn't have made that playoff run if they didn't play him where they did. No, no. Now going over to Carolina, there's a lot more other talent over than Carolina. You had a young, younger, a little bit younger team up there in mm-hmm. uh, Montreal. Um, you got a little bit of veterancy here on you know, Carolina, even even though Ajo is still young, he's been in the league a couple of years here. You know, he has, he has some experience under his belt. Do you think like maybe playing him on that wing is just a way for Carolina to maybe stack up a couple of those other lines and make them like super powerful in a way? Maybe, but Carolina has had a very weird off season. They wouldn't pay Alex Nadelkiewicz like 3 million. They right. trade him for next to nothing, even though he's a Calder-nominated goalie. And even if you think he's a one-year wonder, that is a very foolish decision. And then you bring in two incredibly injury-prone goaltenders and Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta. And I like Antti Ranta, but the problem is he can't stay healthy. So, I, I mean, I don't know. You trade Jake Bean, who could have been something. Dougie Hamilton's gone. You bring in Anthony D'Angelo, who, uh, who's, well, let's say he's known for having great relations with his goalies. But um, – and now you have this, and I know they're looking to extend him probably cheaper, like $4 million. But at the same time, I the one thing I didn't think Carolina should have done is panic, and I feel like they're kind of panicking. They're kind of like overhauling stuff they don't need to overhaul just because they're being scared by a boogeyman in Tampa Bay, even though their window is just opening, which doesn't make sense to me. They do have a big future ahead of them, but I know – as Doug had said, when you were talking about some of those players, they could have, you know, they had to let go and whatnot. Um, Doug and myself and Scott have talked about this a bunch that, you know, I think a smarter move would have been to invest more money in signing Dougie Hamilton rather than Brady Shea. Um, uh, Dougie Hamilton, unfortunately, he was going to go because right. he was going to get premium on the market. And you can't predict that, well, Brady Shea, I mean, Rangers fans hate his guts, but at the same time, you have to pick and choose. And Dougie Hamilton, you probably wouldn't have just given up Shea. You'd probably be giving up someone else as well. So you'd probably be trading Niederreiter as well. So Yeah, Carolina just had, a, like you said, a weird offseason. Their one good move was acquiring uh, Ethan Bear. But it came, Bear. It, came, it came at the expense of Warren Fogle. So, I mean. Yeah. And, just, that, and that's forward depth. Yeah. So, um, it, it, so I, I'm not sure if. Like Kokaniemi is going to replace Fogel on that line, which there are two completely different skill sets. Fogel's is more of a like bottom sixer, I feel like more of the like heart, spirit, agitation, poor hands, decent wheels, good penalty killer. Kokaniemi, I feel like, has more high end skill, but he's not really, I would call, a grittier penalty killer, which I feel like it, it's a miscast placement for Kokaniemi. Yeah, I agree with you there, Tree. Um, I think I think a big part of what Carolina might do, they might do the finish first line of Kokaniemi, Aho, and Teravainen. Yeah, and then they'll bu- they'll just bump Svetch down with Trocheck and Muchis. I think that's a really really good. That's a loaded top six. Yeah, loaded top six on paper, and I think you know I think Nino Niederreiter could coexist with Jordan Stahl and Jesper Faust. I think so too. I think it could work. And then, you know, you make your fourth line out of, you know, Jordan Martinook and Derek Stepan and whoever you choose to play on that right wing spot. I mean, I think, you know, obviously long-term, I think they'll view Kokaniemi as a center, but, um, you know, for right now, I think, you know, you just keep him at a wing, which 
I personally don't agree with. I think that the, I thought that Vincent Trocheck would be better suited as playing the wing. Uh, he's done like it from he time to time in Carolina. I feel like he has a more complimentary skills. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I think it's one of those things where you could still stack your top six with him playing right wing, but, you know, you don't really have to resort to having Kokaniemi as a winger and you don't have to break up Svechnikov and Ajo. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, you know, just something I want to open the floor up for discussion. If they truly wanted to get revenge, now, obviously, there's no guarantee that Montreal would have not had the cap space to, like, cover everything. Why not just wait and try and offer sheet Nick Suzuki next summer? I mean, his brother Ryan's already in the Carolina system. And, you know, those two could have been a big part of your future. And that would have been truly, like, screwing the Canadians over and getting actual revenge on the Ajo offer sheet. Who's to say they're not going to go after Suzuki next offseason? Sure. And who's to say Mo- who's to say Montreal may not potentially go after Marty Nietzsche's? Yeah, exactly. Now you have bidding I, wars. I'm surprised nobody's made an offer sheet for Elise Pettersson yet. I was going to say either because that's Patterson the kind of dude I would go over ten million for easy because talent yeah. like his does not come around that often. No, no, exactly. Like he's one of those players that if you can get him for if you can offer him a 10 or $11 million offer sheet, knowing yeah. the bank, you give up like maybe it. like a first, a second and a third. I think it's yeah. how it is. Yeah, like, dude, I, think- I, I take that easily. I don't care about the pick because that pick is already Elias Patterson. And I sign him to a 10 year, $8 million or like seven year, 10 million plus dollar deal here. Yeah. Take the money. Plus you got to do that right you, now. If you were making a trade for Elias Patterson, you're trading two first round picks at the minimum, minimum, minimum. plus you know? prospects. Exactly. Exactly. So, so like if Seattle's trading, you're trading two, maybe three first round picks, Matthew Benyes, and maybe, maybe like a couple younger defensemen, maybe a couple young forwards if they have any. So that's who you're trading. Exactly. You know, it's a shame the Rangers don't have uh, the cap space to pull that off because I think that that would just be an absolute slam dunk. I feel like they're going to gun for Eichel either way. They're waiting yeah. for the value to drop because Buffalo's trying to shoot themselves in the foot because yeah. they think, oh, we're not going to pay for surgery. But if Jack Eichel's not healthy, that value is just slowly tanking. It's exactly. draining. And they think they're going to get the elite value. It's like, dude, you're just playing hardball. And unfortunately, when one team blinks first, it's usually Buffalo, as we've seen with Ryan O'Reilly, as we've seen with Evander Kane, as we've seen with Robin Lanner, as we've seen with even Sam Reinhardt. Mm-hmm. So it's just inevitable, really. Yeah, the Sam Reinhardt return was awful. That is very true. But um, well, they did get a good return for um, for Ristolainen. They they really cashed out on Ristolainen. But, uh, yeah, which is surprising because he hasn't done anything yet. He's a name, but it's just like, okay. He's literally – He has potential, but – yeah. He's like Whatever. a right-handed John, Jack Johnson. That's an insulting comparison. Oh. I know, but it's – I mean, it's true. I mean, similar career arcs, you know. Yeah. But um, I think – yeah, I think they'll go big for Eichel. Um, I agree. You know, Him, Vegas, Anaheim, maybe Calgary. Mostly depends. Anna, 
Anaheim would be very interesting. Yeah, but um, Anaheim hasn't done anything. They've been too silent. That's true. So true. they have the prospects to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think they have the prospects to pull it off without giving up someone like Zegers or Drysdale. Oh, not at all. You can trade maybe Sam Steele, Troy yeah. Terry, Maxime Comtois. You could yeah. probably do Josh Mahura. Exactly. Plus, yeah, you can trade a- guys like that. There's a lot more mid-level forwards in that mm-hmm. system as well. That Max also, Jones. Ma- yeah, Max Jones is a big one. Um, you know, but uh, let's move on here and talk about the NHL going back to the Olympics. This is something that has my interest very peaked because for the first time in a very long time, the Americans have a lot of potential yes. to make a big, deep run. Um. You know, you, you got to think, at least right now, let's say if Eichel is okay and he's able to get the surgery and be ready to go for the Olympics, your three centers are going to be – your big three are going to be Matthews, Eichel, and Dylan Larkin. You know, you make that your three-center set and fill it out with wingers like, you know, Patrick Kane will be back. You'll have Alex Dabrinkit. You'll have the Kachuk brothers. You'll most likely have Jake Gensel. Um you're really cooking with fire at this American point. talent has really come a long way, especially in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. With I'd the West even, coast, with the South, yeah. you've had huge pot bets. Exactly. And now they have guys that can really just make a huge impact, especially even American goaltending like John Gibson. Hellebook, I think is American if I remember correctly. Yes. So yeah. there you go. And then your third your third goal is a coin flip between Thatcher Demko and Spencer Knight. Yeah, mostly depends how they do. Exactly. It depends what where they're at that certain at, at that moment in time. But like really, if you think about it on paper, you would you you could say the Americans have the edge over Canada in goaltending. Yeah, but Canada still has that loaded forward core and the defensive core. So it's it's and- it's it's a, it's a two-way race. Yeah. Definitely. But it mostly depends if one of the Euro teams like Sweden plays spoiler or mm-hmm. and like if like Finland, one, one of the teams swings. Oh, yeah. And, and like Sweden's going to be good. Finland yeah. is like goalie is an issue with Finland. Mm-hmm. But same thing, like they, they're getting a little better. Uh, what I'm interested in are some of the Central European teams. Switzerland seems like they're up and coming. Denmark's kind of coming up there. Germany. With Leon Dreisaitl and a few other guys, they're coming up as well. Exactly. I miss like when it was the 90s when Czechoslovakia was a big thing, but now they're they're two declining nations. They still put up yeah. some decent like players, but it's not the level of what it was. And exactly. uh, Russia, yeah. I mean, Russia is always a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Russia's going to be loaded um, mm-hmm. as always. You know, they'll pull out of the KHL a little bit too. Oh but- yeah. You brought up an interesting point about Germany because you're going to have Leon Dreisaitl, Tim Stutzla. Like, they have potential They to, have talent. Yeah, they have potential to do something um, surprising and spoil a team, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, even Latvia. I mean, look at how Latvia was in the 2014 Olympics with Chris. Latvia is another up-and-coming nation, yeah. too. 100%. Um, but, you know... Team USA, man, I'm I'm very excited to see how they do it. Um, they have a really good leadership <laughs> core. Excuse, 
Sorry. Gotcha. You good? But yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Sneezes. Yeah. It time. happens, man. It happens. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they have a good leadership group for the first time in a very long time. Um, I trust Bill Guerin to not fall into that trap of just like trying to get gritty grind guys. Uh, that was Especially, a mistake in the World Cup of Hockey with uh, Tortorella. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Justin Abdelkader over Phil Kessel. It's like, yeah, no wonder why you flopped out. Yeah. I mean, the only guy on their staff that is like potentially suspect would be David Quinn. And he's going to be in such a limited. He's an assistant. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. The problem with Quinn was his his vision didn't translate to the game. He has a lot of knowledge. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, it just didn't convert. Like it happens. Yeah. It reminds his, his tenure in New York reminded me a lot of Mike Sullivan's first tenure in the NHL with Boston. Like you could tell it was there. He just couldn't bring it all together. Hmm. That you know? sense. Yeah. Since, uh, since obviously Sullivan's the uh, the coach and everything, you know, we saw, we've seen like in past Olympics where, you know, Bosma would strain a couple of penguins along. Like I remember the year he coached, he had Brooks Orpik and Paul Martin come along. Yeah. Even though they really probably didn't have any business being there. Nonetheless, could we potentially see a Brian Dumoulin siding in, in uh, 2022? Maybe it depends on um, who's really on the defensive side of the like the 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 ring for the NHL. Like Kale McCarr is he American or is he Canadian? Canadian. Canadian. All right. So you're looking at probably Seth Jones, even though he's had a really down year. He's probably one of your top defensemen. You're probably looking at. I'm trying to go through like all the. John Carlson will be one. John Carlson. John Carlson. Lorensky. Um, I was gonna say Ryan Ellis, but it's like eh, maybe Adam Fox. Fox, yes, Fox. Yeah. Also, Jacob Slavin. Jacob Sullivan. Yeah, he'll be a big one. You know, and I think you know Dumoulin may have a shot at making uh, Team USA simply because somebody has to play with Adam Fox, and someone has to be capable of like doing that. And I would, I, th- I feel like. Playing with Latang and playing with Adam Fox is pretty much one in the same. I don't know. I feel like Fox is a little more reliable on his defensive end. Yeah. But I mean, playing with Latang will help you keep your heads up because with that game breaking ability, he always makes like two or three plays. Are you sitting there like, what the hell was that? Exactly. 100%. You hit the nail on the head. But, uh, you know, another big one that is going to be an inter- interesting storyline is Jacob Chikrin has dual citizenship for the United States and Canada. So we're have a Bobby, a Brett Hall situation. We might, if he doesn't make team Canada out of camp, which with the way they're, which is surprising. I thought, I think Chitron would make it considering how well he's played. Yeah, you would think so. But you also got to think like old habits are going to die hard. Like Drew Doughty's going to be on that team, even though he probably doesn't deserve to be there. You know, they're going to have a bunch of other random guys on that defensive set and, you know, like Aaron Eckblad will be there. Other guys. Yeah. Other guys like that, you know, Shea Fedor will probably be your number one or number two D because he's really come on in the past, like several years. But um, if there's an outside shot that Jacob Chikrin does not make team Canada, um, I wonder if he'll come over and play for the United States. I'd say so. I would love to see would that. would be a huge asset for the defensive core. I mean, one could argue, like, he would be your, like, 
most be minimum second pairing minimum second yeah, pairing exactly like it would be a coin flip between him and Slavin for who I would have as uh, the first left defenseman on that top pair. You know, because in my head, the way I the way I have it dreamt up is like Slavin would play with Adam Fox, and then Warensky and probably John Carlson, and then you'd have Quinn Hughes and Charlie McAvoy. Seth Jones would be an extra. No. Question is, um, you got to worry about Quinn Hughes in his defensive zone, so you may need a defensively responsible guy more than McAvoy. And McAvoy is very talented, but Quinn Hughes looked really rough in his own zone last year. That's true. That's true. And McAvoy likes taking the puck up in, in his own zone himself. Yep. So. so you're looking at a potential disaster unless you're yeah. just plopping him on a defensively responsible fourth line. Yeah, you know, and part of you, part of me wonders like if. You could play like the right side, Quinn Hughes, and play with like maybe a Slavin or a Chikrin. I mean, that may be the only way you go, but it's yeah. still way too early. So it's yeah. maybe somebody emerges out of nowhere. Maybe Quinn Hughes doesn't make the team, but we'll exactly. see. Exactly. Now, Penguins related question Do you think, what do you think the odds are that Mike Sullivan finds a way to drag Brian Rust into this? Rust wouldn't be bad as a fourth line energy guy. Exactly. So, you know what? That's not a bad idea. He's in his prime. He offers skill. He has a decent finish. You put him with a good center. That's actually not a bad idea. So, I wouldn't mind having him tag along as, like, you know, a fourth line or an extra guy. Yeah, exactly. he offers skills that you can't really replicate. Yeah. Like, he plays like a fourth line grinder but can still shoot the living day. Exactly. That's so rare. You know, if you put him with, let's say, maybe Brady Kachuk on the fourth line left wing spot, and then your fourth line center is between JT Miller or Brock Nelson. Mm, I'd go Brock mm-hmm. Nelson. That is an uh, that is a line that will mess some people up. That is exactly. a line that's going to rip people's hair out, especially with how, how the Islanders play. That two-way yeah. style, well in all three zones, that's that line. And that's the line that can eat up just just puck possession, analytically inclined goodness. That's what that fourth line is. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's very rare that the Americans are in this spot where they can create a fourth line like this without dragging along someone like Luke Glendening or something like oh, they no, did no. in the World Cup oh. of Hockey, you know? Jeez, Luke Glendening. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, the whole – you know, honestly, like in in our lifetime, we've been just like tortured as like American hockey fans <laughs> when it comes to like how these teams get shake out and get picked. It's just been horrible. Justin Abelkader over Phil Kessel. That's all it is. Yeah. Doug, I yeah. want to um, throw this out to, you, to all you guys as well, not just Doug. Um, I'm looking at other teams, you know, that you could, could play a big factor in the Olympics. Obviously, we know, you know, the USA, we've been talking about them. Um, mm-hmm. Canada always says, you know, always is a big, big player in this. Um, I'm looking at, I wasn't necessarily an underdog, but another team that could play a big part is the, uh, is team Finland. We have a lot of, a lot of, a lot of talent in the NHL right mm-hmm. now. From Finland. Young talent too. Just to name a few, you know, Mika Rantanen, Sebastian Ajo. Yep. Um, you got Ly- Patrick Laine, uh, Mikhail Granlin, Tara Vinen, you know, the Kakaniemi, we've been talking about him. Um, you have a bunch of people, Casper Kapanen. There's a bunch of people yeah. here for for Finland 
Um, that could be a huge, huge uh, team coming into this too yeah. that people might forget about. My question there, though, is defensively, goaltending. Yeah. Defensively, you're looking at maybe Henry Okaharu, and he's been like, eh. yeah, <laughs> kind of there. Goaltending, I can't really think of anybody off the bat that's like really good out of Finland. Sweden has done a great job developing goaltenders, so they won't have a problem. There, there Finland, there was a, uh, there was a decent one, but he retired. Pekarene already yep, retired. Yeah, Pekarene, so. that's your one. Uh, Soros, unfortunately, I think he's not Finnish. Right. So, yeah, no. The only one that I can think of that's like an NHL caliber goalie, and I might Miko Koskinen. That's the only one I can think of. Yeah, or Capo Kakinen from the uh, Wild. Yeah. yeah, I mean that they're, they're okay, but that's not like yeah. I would consider but, an elite goaltender. Yeah, it's not somebody that you would want to have running your like country's odds at meddling mm-hmm. at the Olympics. You know? Yeah, but um. Okay. Other teams I'm looking at, I would say Sweden, Russia, maybe Germany as well, because Germany does have Philip Grubauer. That's true. Yeah, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. And then Sweden, like you said, with their goaltending situation, they're just they're loaded. They you have know, excellent goal. goaltending. They've done a tremendous job improving their goaltending. The 90s, it was barren. Like, it yeah. was bad. But yeah. starting with King Henrik in the 2000s, they become a factory, especially with goaltending. Exactly. You know, and you're rolling into this with Robin Leonard and probably Linus Olmark, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe probably, maybe someone else, too. Like, there are a couple other names you could probably throw out there as well. Yeah, 100%. Scotty, what, what did you want to say? Oh, I was referring back to Finland. Did we, in terms of their goaltending, did we name Corpusalo or did I miss that? No, he did not name Corpusalo. But then again, once again, he's decent. He had a down year, but at the same time, you're rolling with those three. Would you take them over like a John Gibson – or uh, Andre Vasilevsky or anything like that? Unfortunately, no. Not right Tuka. now. Tuka Rask is finished. Oh, but Tuka Rask is going to be injured, though. That's true. So That's true. If he were healthy, maybe. But unfortunately, yeah. I don't know how long he's going to be out for. He's out yeah. for at least half a year. UC Saros is finished, by the way. He is finished. Oh, so that's that's up there, you know, okay. and then you, you also have um, Ronta. I know Ronta's another one if he's healthy too. So yeah, exactly. But too many question marks. That's the only thing. So Soros is probably the guy you picked. I, I, why didn't I think Soros was finished? I thought he was Swedish. I thought he was Swedish too. Maybe it's yeah. because of the colors of the Nashville jerseys. Yeah, <laughs> might be tripping. Tripping. Pekarene is the only Finnish goaltender we have in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. So. Um, before we go, you have any crazy predictions for the Penguin season? Like, Ooh. do you think they actually miss the playoffs? Uh, I have to look it over because Carolina definitely makes it. Philly's weird because whenever you think they're good, they're going to suck. And whenever you think they're suck, they're going to randomly make the playoffs. Exactly. It's going to be between Pittsburgh and Washington. They're both on the same trajectory. Like, you know, mm-hmm. former teams of glory, the cores are getting stale, they're aging, they're declining, they're kind of lost on where to head, and they've locked up a lot of their core long-term. So they might, it'll probably come earlier for Pittsburgh than Washington. Washington may have like a San Jose era where they just like are locked into these really bad contracts that they're forced mm-hmm. to eat and then suck for three more years instead of properly rebuild. But hmm, 
Islanders probably make it too. Yeah, uh, and then unless the like everything might. falls apart, Rangers once again mostly depends how the like the grid does. Like, but I feel like they overcompensated a lot. That's going to hurt yeah. them in the future. Exactly. So I mean, the East looks loaded. I don't think the Pens make it. I think they're one of the first teams out. It's very tough right now. I'll have to look into it a little further, but I mean, Columbus, I don't think they make it. New Jersey, they're still building. They'll need another year. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think they finish below those teams, but it's going to be between Pittsburgh, Washington, Philly, and the Rangers. It's going to be those four, and they're pretty interchangeable, I feel like. Yeah, it's – all I'm going to say is it's absolutely horrifying knowing that we're finally here. I thought this was going to come earlier. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Because, like, come early 2016, they looked lifeless and boring under Mike Johnston. I'm like, this thing's fucked in three years. And now, well, we got a couple extra cups out of it. But now, unfortunately, there's a time where the Piper is ready to collect his due. And that time may be now. Exactly. It sucks, but you know what? I'll take my cups to the bottom of the ocean. Dude. Yeah, exactly. That's all you can do, you know? All right, guys. Anything else that you have for tree? One last thing I want to touch upon, because I, this quote came out uh, like last night or, or this or yesterday, I guess, from uh, Pierre Dorian talking about the Ottawa Senators. Mm-hmm. Simply put, all he said was the rebuild is done. Hmm. That so is how- interesting. Ottawa playoff team this year. Not with how tight that Atlantic is. I think they're on the right track, but they're not ready just yet. They need another year or two for everything to fully develop. And also remember last year's free agent signings for Ottawa blew up spectacularly in their face. Yeah. I mean, I love the run that Ottawa went on near the end of last year. Mm -hmm. I don't see them like as a middle of the pack team. Not with Tampa Bay, not with Toronto, not with Boston, not with Florida. I mean, you can make the argument that even Montreal might be better than them. Like the only team I have confidence of them being over is Buffalo. Like that's it. Everyone else, it's like it's it's a coin flip. It's too tough. So I don't think the rebuild's over just yet. You need another year or two. The bottom six is very weak for that team it is but it, it, that needs to be fleshed out with time so you it, when you're lingering towards the salary like floor you're not gonna have fleshed out depth you gotta pay for that or you gotta build it from within. and with a bare bone scouting staff that ottawa has it's gonna be very tough to find that's true yeah and you know just want to make a comment Ottawa having one more bottom out year might be massive for them because like you said, it's a deep draft. They'll probably get another top 10, potentially a top five pick. If they win and the lottery, they get Shane Wright. There's your franchise exactly. center. And if you get, if you get number two, you get Brad Lambert who might not be as good as Shane Wright, but is still going to be a really, really high end center. So throw him on the wing too. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could. Similar to like what they're doing with Stutzler right now. That mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. But uh, Tree, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on, boys. It's been a pleasure. Awesome, awesome guys. All righty. So this has been another episode of Four Checking TV. Follow us on Twitter at Four Checking TV. 
and be sure to look for us wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, Tree, before we go, is there anything else that you got coming up big on your channel? Uh, no, I actually just released Hater's Guide to the NFL, AFC, and NFC. I just finished those up. Uh, sports ball for the NFL starts next week. Hater's Guide to the NHL, probably early October. Because okay. that's about the time I usually do it around training camp. Yeah. And then um, next couple ones are just going to be a few random vids. Uh, one briefly on UConn football and the other uh, vlog when I went to Daytona a few weeks ago. There you go. Now, are we going to get a hater's guide to the Olympics? Maybe. Maybe. Because that's around the time the All-Star Edition comes out, too. That wouldn't sure. be a bad idea, especially with the NHL talent that's going to be out there. Yeah, I think it, Very I think it would make for I definitely have to consider it. Awesome. All righty, guys. Uh, thank you. Good night. And, you know, be sure to subscribe to Tree on YouTube, Urinating Tree, and follow him on Twitter at Urinating Tree. All right, guys. Thank you.